Welcome everyone. You're listening to The River Podcast, where you can find messages to help you strengthen your walk with Christ and refresh your soul. Here's our message from this past week. This morning, or this evening, this, all right, first of all, that's how tired I am, um, that it feels like the morning, all right? I've been, listen, Jenny and I, we've been having an amazingly long and, and hard week. We're renovating our home, and um, God is just doing some great things in that, but boy, is that stressful. Man, that is stressful. So um, how many of you guys were here last week for worship night? Amen. Were you blessed? Yeah. I was sharing with the team this um, earlier today, um, but when we came in, how um, it's always after those victories you see something happen, right? And I've been there in my life before, you know, when, you, when you're at the apex of your faith and you're just right there on the top of that mountain, You've had a great victory, a grand victory. Then you get into two accidents. You know, <laughs> you get into to a time of fighting with your family. Uh, you know, contractors on your home is messing up your stuff. All types of stuff starts to happen, begins to happen. And so, and you, you even see that through the men and women of God in the Bible where they have great victories like Elijah and things happen and you're like, wow, God is amazing. And then you end up, a day later in a cave where God has to tell you or ask you, what are you doing here? It's after those great moments and those great victories. And I mentioned to them, the Bible shows those, you know, those moments uh, because number one, it's real, it's life, it's how things happen, God bless you. Uh, but number two, it shows, um, it gives you those moments as an example that when you go through victory in your life, you don't relax and slack and just, and just eat off of that old moment. Continue to push, continue to worship, continue to, 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 to seek him and you will find him even more. We're looking to get from glory to glory, amen? amen. If you have your Bibles this evening, go ahead and say amen. amen. All right, so pull it out and turn with me to Matthew chapter 15, 21 to 28. This here I would call my favorite Bible story. Um, I love this story. It blows my mind. It, it twists my mind a little bit. And, and I love what this story does for me and even to me sometimes. So I'm going to share it with you guys and the perspective that God has shared with me on it. Matthew chapter 15, 21 to 28. The title of the message is At the Table. At the Table. And the word says this. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. Jesus did not answer a word, so his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away for she keeps crying after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Yes, Lord, she said, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Mm. Then Jesus answered, woman, you have great faith. Your request 
is granted. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Can we say amen to the reading of the word of God? Father, we thank you, first of all, for the examples that you leave for us, Lord God, that we can have faith like this. We can persevere through, through times like this. God, I pray, Lord, that you would come and speak. Remove me, Lord God, and I pray that you would bring your word to your people this evening. I ask that you would touch hearts, touch minds, touch emotions, touch the spirit and the soul. I pray, Lord God, that you would even touch the body, the mortal body, that there would be healing tonight. God, we give you thanks and praise for who you are and what you will do in advance. In Jesus' name, and all God's people say, amen. amen. Title of the message is At the Table. I remember having a, a, a conversation with Pastor Boykin one time. We're sitting at, in his office. We're just talking. And we're just talking about, like, this guy that he had met maybe a week before that he was talking to. And out of the conversation, he started to realize that the guy had no faith whatsoever. And the guy was telling him that, you know, healing and faith and, you know, coming into the presence and the glory of God, God doesn't move like that for today. And so he just listened to the guy, and by the time the conversation was over, he let him out of his office. But he was telling me this, and he was all passionate about it. He's like, can you believe that? This guy was saying, like, you know, healing is not for today. Because when I read my Bible, as we were talking about, when I read my Bible, it says that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? And tomorrow, he's the same. Yesterday, he's the same. Today, he's the same. If healing was for yesterday, come on, guess what? It's for today. If it's for today, it's for tomorrow. As long as we're part of earth, God will continue to move, and healing is for now. I read the word, 2 Chronicles chapter 7, 14, one of my favorite verses also. It says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, or other words, repent, then will I hear from heaven and will heal their land. And so when I read that, I say, man, there's a guideline. There's a guideline to the land being healed. There's a guideline to what God wants to do with the land. And I think the land is also connected with the people. I think the land's healing is directly connected to our healing. Whether that means that your physical healing, your spiritual healing, emotional healing, you need healing if you're broken. There is healing when God brings his healing upon the land. Why do I say that? <clears throat> it's because when you look at the word of God, often... The, the health of the ground or the health of the land is directly connected with the person and what they have done. Even back in the beginning, you see how Adam himself sinned against God. Adam and Eve sinned against God, and what did God do? He cursed the ground. You ever thought about that? A lot of people think, well, God cursed Eve and God cursed Adam. No, God cursed Eve, um, and then he cursed the but he cursed the ground because of what Adam did. So the ground was cursed. Because man sinned. And, and I would even take further to say that when men put themselves in a position to be obedient to God, when men put themselves in a position to be holy, I believe the ground will be healed. It's just like what it's saying. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, number one, and pray, number two, and seek my face, number three, then and turn from their wicked ways, number four, then will I hear from heaven, and then I will heal their land. How many people believe that there is a healing for the land today, and there's a healing for God's people? There is. And I think about how badly we need a healing of the land, and how badly we need a healing of the people today. 
some of y'all came in this place, you're like, man, I need a physical healing. Some of y'all say, man, I need a spiritual healing or an emotional healing. I need mending. I need God to bind me, put me back together because I feel broken. I'm here to tell you there's a guideline. I'm here to tell you that God says there's a code. There's something that you can do in order to see this happen in your life. And for some reason, I feel like this lady, this Canaanite woman, knew this. Or she discovered this while she was talking to God in the moment. So we see in the story it begins by this woman approaching Jesus. And she says, she, she comes in, and the first thing that happens is in verse 21, it says Jesus was leaving that place. Well, now that place was where he was com coming from, from across the water, where he had even fed 5,000 people. He was coming from that place in that region of Tyrian Sidon, and a Canaanite woman approached from the vicinity, came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering with, um, terribly from demon possession. There are a few things here that I want you to, to, to pay attention to. First, she approaches Jesus with a title. She says, Lord, son of David. That title, son of David, was reserved for the one who was the Christ. That title, son of David, is reserved for the one who would come and save the world, the savior of the world. So she understood who she was speaking to. And number two, she says, um, son of David, have mercy on me. That's coming into the, the, the position of humility. It's coming into this situation humble, knowing that you need help, knowing that you need mercy. And in fact, that's, that's the key to salvation. You must, you must admit that you're a sinner, be humble enough to do such a thing, and then confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And so this woman comes with humility, which is the first key. If my people who are called my, by my name would do what? Humble themselves. She comes before Jesus with all humility, laying her pride down before him and saying, now here is my request. Here's my request. And, and I have to ask myself, how, how did this lady happen to hear that Jesus was, was operating this way? How did she happen to come to the point where she, she thought of him as, as the son of David, to know that she needed mercy? And I, I have to think to myself that the word was spreading. I mean, for crying out loud, Jesus just, just fed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. Broke these things up into little pieces and they divided and, and it filled, filled the multitudes it was more than 5,000 people because of women and, and, and children. But he did such a grand miracle, and I have to think to myself that she must have had a neighbor somewhere, a person in her town, someone who saw him do something. And even prior to the 5,000, Jesus was healing the deaf, raising, um, well, he didn't raise the dead yet, but he was healing the deaf. He was healing the blind. He was doing all types of miracles. And I could see just if you would imagine with me for a moment, a woman who is in her house thinking to herself, I have a daughter who is possessed by a demon and I need help. Been to doctors, been to counselors, been to this and been to that, and she has lost all hope. But a neighbor comes and says, I want you to meet a man who heals the blind. And she goes, okay, whatever. I need you to meet this man because he heals the deaf. 
Okay, well, no, 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 you don't understand. He, 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 he casts demons out, and he does this, and he does, no, 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 back up now? He does what? It's like, oh, I said he, he heals the deaf. No, 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 not that, after that. The blind, no, 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 I'm talking about the one with the, the demon. Yeah, he does what? He heals, he casts demons out of people. And now your situation is in the mix. And I could see this woman saying, take me to this man. Show me where he's at. And the last place they saw him was feeding 5,000 people and then talking to the Pharisees and correcting them. And here Jesus is just taking a stroll in the street with his disciples and a woman, a Canaanite woman, approaches him, a Jew, and sits at his feet and says, son of David, in other words, I believe in you, have mercy on me with all humility. She comes bearing the keys to God's heart. She comes hitting the right places of, of, of his desires for her. And at this point, she, she lays down her needs and she says, my daughter has a need, God. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. And here comes her victory. I love this part. Verse, verse 22 or 23, after she presents her, her request to Jesus, it says that Jesus did not answer a word. Great victory. Wow. Like, here I am being humble. Here I am laying down my need before you, acknowledging you as Jesus, the Lord, son of David. And here's my request. And then Jesus just goes, Okay. He says, nothing. Ha have you been there in your life? Where, where you felt that you had a need and you said, well, I, I've given my life to you, Lord. I've done all that I've, I, I, I could do. And, and I'm giving my life, I'm giving my humility the best that I can. And here's my prayer, God. And you feel like God says, absolutely nothing. And, and you keep praying and you just hear not a word, as she did. I'm here to tell you that you're not alone. She didn't hear nothing either, but that was for a moment. And sometimes we cry out to God and we come to him and we want to hear a word so bad, but we just hear nothing from God. And I have to say that I, I, I had to look in the word to see, man, when does God say nothing to our requests? And I looked at, and sometimes it's because of our pride. That's one. We look in Job 35, 12, it says that he does not answer because of the pride of evil men. We know that sometimes pride pushes God away from us in our prayers. There are other times, like in 1 Samuel 28, 6, we see that on that day, God didn't answer a prayer that was given by the king Saul. So Saul prayed, and then God did not answer on that day. So we know that sometimes it's just God's timing for you. And sometimes you may pray and pray and pray and you don't hear anything, but God is saying, just sit in the silence and wait because I'm, I'm, I'm bringing something, but it's not for now. But then there are other times we hear, but we don't hear the voice of God is because he wants to hear our voice just a little bit longer. When was the last time you prayed to me? Was it the, the, the last time you prayed before you had this need? You see, I have to say, if I'm a father and God is father to me, 
I would like to hear the voice of my son Judah every single day. In fact, if, if I don't hear his voice one day, I get concerned, right? Could you imagine if my son was a little older and he could talk and, and go to school and every day he comes back from school and he just comes into the house and perhaps maybe he was angry at me for any reason. I say, hey Judah, how you doing? How was school today? He just walks by. And I'm like, okay, he's going through his little thing. I'm gonna leave him alone for now. And then the next day he comes by and I was like, Judah, how, how, was, how was school today? Was, was it good? He just walks by and says nothing. And, and it goes on for a week. And I start to panic and I start to get concerned because my son is, is not talking to me. He's not engaging in just normal conversation with me. And then two weeks later, out of all this silence, he hits his knee really hard on a chair and he screams, Daddy! What do I do? I come running to him and I, I'm there for him. But at the same time, I'm like, I kind of want to hear you a little bit more. I just want to hear your voice just a little bit longer. And when I am satisfied with hearing the voice of my child, I feel that I'm going to be able to answer at this point. Sometimes God just wants to hear your voice. And so what I'm saying is that when you're in your prayers, when you're hearing or not hearing, it shouldn't be because you need something, you go to the throne. You should be going to the throne all the time. You should be approaching God's throne every single day, whether it's been good, whether it's been bad, whether it's been okay, good, bad, ugly. You should be approaching the throne every single day because God always wants to hear your voice. Amen. And this woman, it says, the disciples came to Jesus and said, Lord, send her away because she keeps crying after us. Now, not only do you pray to the Lord and then the Lord doesn't say anything, but then you go to the Lord's people or the pastors or whoever, and they say, send her away because we're too busy. She keeps crying after us. She wants something from us. It's stopping the flow of what we're doing. Doesn't that just sound mean? It sounds like, you know, I don't want to be in this scene. I don't want to be this lady, you know? And so I'm looking at this lady, and I'm thinking, I'm, I'm sympathizing with her. I'm, I'm, I'm like, Lord, like, this is ugly. Like, you treat your people like this? And it could come off that way, but I'm here to tell you that what's happening here is not that these disciples are being mean, but these disciples are being obedient. You see, if you pay attention to the, next, the very next line, there's something happening here. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. Other versions say, I was sent here only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, what was this woman? She was not an Israelite. This woman was a Canaanite. Now, Jesus is not saying that I'm not here for the Canaanites, but Jesus is saying that there is an order. You see, the order is first Israel and then the Gentiles. First it is Israel and then the Gentiles. And Jesus said, right now I'm only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. You're skipping the line. You're, you're coming, yes, but you're skipping the line. Because right now we have an order, a flow of things, and I want to do something, but you're skipping the line. And as I'm looking at this, the woman keeps on begging. But if you look back, maybe just two chapters, I believe, I think it was in chapter 10, you see the order of things. Chapter 10, 
Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's giving clear order direction because as he hears from the Father, he flows. And he says here, chapter 10, verse 2, verse 1, he called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. So this woman saw them doing this and she was like, I want some of that. But then look at verse 5. These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions, do not go among the Gentiles. And then he says, or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. And then he says, as you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely you give. Jesus was saying, there's an order to this. But the woman wasn't there during that conversation. So she's like, I just want my healing. I want my deliverance. I want whatever it is that I want and I want it now. Like most of us come in prayer, right? But God is like, um, yeah, I know you have a prayer and you don't know what I'm thinking. You don't know the plans that I have for you because your plan is actually greater. The Gentiles are gonna be big with this, but there's an order. There's an order and there's a time and there's God's timing. And this is what this is about. It's about God's timing. But here's what's interesting. As she keeps going into this journey of disappointment, the woman came and she did something that amazed me. It says that she knelt at his feet. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. In other versions, it says she came and she worshiped. I think that's the most powerful part of this entire passage. For a woman to have been rejected, turned away from, not heard, and still at this point she has so much faith that she says, you know what, I'm not going to turn away from this situation because I see what's happening. I see that there's a healing here. I see that there's, that, that there's deliverance here. And I need a deliverance, so I'm going to stay right here and I'm not going nowhere. And so instead of turning away, she kneels and she begins to worship. I'm going to tell you sometimes, a lot of times when you're going through times where you're not hearing, when you don't feel like you're receiving, when you're going through those desert moments where you don't feel that God is responding to you, listen, your key is worship. Your key is falling on your knees and lifting up the, your praises to God and say, God, whether I get or I don't receive, whether I receive or I don't receive, I'm going to worship. Whether I see a victory or I see a fail, I'm just going to worship. Whether I, I see you or I don't see you, I'm going to worship. And I'm going to tell you that worship is the key to getting to the table. Truth is, a lot of us don't know how to get to the table. We know how to enter to the house. We know how to give our lives to Jesus and enter into the house. Yeah, we're in a house, but listen, there's a table. And all the miracles and all the good things happen at the table and in order for you to get to the table you have to get to Jesus because that's where he's sitting and, and, and when you get to the table at his feet that's where miracles take place and the way you get there is through worship and I'm seeing this woman worship at the feet of the one who didn't hear her wow I don't know if I told you this story before, but I, I've been there in my life where 
you know, when, when I came to Jesus and I started reading and, and I was confused because I was like, the more I learn is the more I feel like I'm, I'm doubting. And I got to that point where the pastor prayed over me. I think you guys might've heard the story. But, but at that time, it felt for me like, you know, wow, I, I want to push and I want to get there and I want to go to that place, but, but I don't know how to get there. But sometimes you just got to worship. Get past that doubt. Get past that fear. And God will always reveal to you what you need. He will always come through. He will always reveal to you what you need. Amen. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. Thank you. And this is what Jesus replied. Woman, it is not right to take the children's bread and to give it to the dogs. <laughs> Bruh, that, like, like, I, got, I got to get back to my, my roots. Bruh, like, <laughs> he didn't hear me. His disciples pushed me away. He told me it's not my turn. And now I'm worshiping and I feel like I'm still being pushed away. He said, it is not good to take the children's bread, he's talking about Israel, and to cast it to the dogs. And you know, this had a special effect on her because this is actually what the Jewish people called the Canaanites, dogs. So he was being offensive. And so was this word meant to be offensive to the woman? Absolutely it was. This word actually was meant to be offensive to the woman. But what was Jesus trying to do? What Jesus was trying to do was break her pride. If there is any bit of pride in you, God wants to break it. The crazy thing about pride is that it's in you, but you don't know it's there. And with pride, God always tests your pride with offense. In fact, I have to say, from, from, I might be wrong, but I feel like the only way to break pride is through offense. You know, there are so many people that Jesus preached to, but there were only 12 who really cared enough to stick by. There was a time he was, he was speaking to the multitude of thousands of people. And immediately Jesus says these words, and he knew what it would do. He knew the effect he was trying to give off. And he says, um, this, is, this is the time, drink my flesh. I mean, drink my blood and eat my flesh. He was talking about communion for the future. But it was so offensive that the entire group of people walked away from Jesus at the time. And then he gets down, and there are 12 men left. And he comes to them, and he says, will you leave me too? And then that's when the revelation came. And I believe it was Peter who said, to where will we go, Lord? You're the ones who have the words to eternal life. And so Jesus will often test you, your pride. Try to break your pride with offense. There are a lot of things you're going to face in church. There are a lot of offense you're going to face with your family. There's a lot of times you're going to face offense with friends. Offense will come. But the question is, when it comes... Do you stay or do you walk away? Because that will determine how prideful you are. A lot of people I've seen will walk away from the church because the pastor said something they just don't agree with. 
They walk away because of offense and immediately the pride swells up and they just leave. And Jesus is testing this right now because it's vital for her healing and her breakthrough. Why? Because God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. You see, you could say things that sound humble all day, but your pride will say something else when offense comes. You could say things like, son of David, have mercy on me. You could say things like, Jesus, I love you. You could say things like, I will always um, be with you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. But when offense comes, the pride will swell up and you'll see what was really inside of the heart. And so at this moment, it didn't matter what she said, but it mattered what she did. And so Jesus was putting this to the test and he treats her like any common person, any common Jew would treat her. He said, I would not take my bread and cast it to the dogs. And then he waited. And then she said something that blew his mind. This woman looked at Jesus in the eyes and then she said, but Lord, even the dogs will eat the crumbs that falls from the master's table. He said, ooh, you got me. And at that moment, something happened. Jesus saw her faith. See, this woman understood something. Not only did Jesus recognize that she was in the house, but Jesus recognized that she was at the table. Listen to me. Jesus said something offensive, but she saw past the offense and saw the compliment. <sighs> Jesus said to her, it's not good to take the bread and give it to the dogs. Jesus was saying, you have no idea how close you are to the table. <laughs> you have no idea how close you are. In fact, dogs aren't treated as, as outcasts. They're treated kind of like family. But this woman saw past the offense and she clung on to the compliment. Some of y'all need to get past the offense and cling on to the compliment. Some of y'all have been offended and you wanted to walk away from God. Let's get away from the offense and cling on to the compliment. There is a compliment in what's happening in your life. There's a compliment in the struggle that you face. There's a compliment in all the things that you hate that you're going through. There is a compliment in it. You just have to find it. She realizes, wow, I haven't, he has no idea what he's saying. He's like, listen, I'm so close to the table. I'm, I'm right here. And then she, she realizes I'm not just in the house, but I'm at the table. And she says something, she says, she says but Lord, even the dogs will eat the crumbs that falls from the master's table. And Jesus looked at her and said, boom, you got it. Woman, great is your faith. Woman, great is your faith. In some versions, the last verse, Jesus says, whatever it be, it is yours. Whatever it is you were asking for, it belongs to you. He's not interested in what you were asking for. He's interested in your faith. If you have the faith for it, Ask for it. Once you get to that point where you can get past your offense and cling on to the compliment that God is always showering down on you, when you can start seeing that thing, I'm telling you, miracles happen at the table. How do you get to the table? 
through perseverance like she did. It doesn't matter what she saw. It doesn't matter what she's been through. It doesn't matter what pastors did. It doesn't matter if God didn't hear. Listen, I'm going to keep pressing in because I know one day the breakthrough will come. I'm telling you, there is miracles at the table and you need to worship to get to the table. And when I'm looking at this woman's faith, I feel like she's hitting everything that God is requiring of us in order to see the healing come. He said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, how much more humble can you get than that? And pray, it says she kneeled down before him, seek my face, she walked a distance to find him, turned from their wicked ways. The first thing she said to Jesus was, have mercy on me. Why, why would you need mercy if you didn't offend anybody? She understood that her sin was great, but she understood something, that no matter what her sin, how, how weighty it was, that there was one who was greater than that. Listen, I'm telling you, Jesus hears you. It doesn't matter if he's not responding, but he still hears. Just because he's not responding doesn't mean he doesn't hear. He hears you, but he's working something through his answer. Let me tell you something. I know a lot of y'all been praying about certain things in your life, and you don't know what to expect out of it. But listen, just keep praying. A lot of y'all been praying and you haven't been hearing from God. Listen, keep praying. I had a conversation with my brother just the other day. Keep praying. Keep seeking. God will show himself. Amen? Why don't we stand together? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Today there's a healing that's going to come. I believe that somebody caught this. It's, it's like a Frisbee. The, the word of God is like a Frisbee. Not everybody can catch it. You know, you could throw it and there are just some people who just, just are keen on just catching it, you know? And, and I feel that someone caught this message today. Someone actually caught there is a key to healing. Someone actually caught that the ground has something to do with who you are. Someone caught that the way you act will affect your environment, the ground that you walk on. Someone caught that I'm no longer going to be bitter in my own household because that affects the ground. Someone caught that I'm not going to be faithless because it affects my environment. Someone caught that. Some of y'all caught that I'm going to come to the table because that's where the miracles happen. Someone caught the fact that the way to get to the table is through worship and perseverance and clinging on to the compliment of God rather than the offense. Someone caught that. And I believe when you catch, especially this, those who come to God, seek his face, turn from your wicked ways, be humble. Someone caught that that there is a healing that can take place in your life today. But before I tell you anything else, you have to know what humility looks like. And humility looks like this, even when you're offended. Humility looks like this, when they slap you, turn the other cheek, it's humility. people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray 
seek my face and turn, I will heal. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The River YA. All of our links to keep in touch are down below. We hope this blessed you and we'll see you next time at The River. Come find life.